Web 2.0. Innovation. Trend. Collaboration. Software. Got the world turning as fast as it can? Hear how technology can help, legally speaking, with two of the top legal technology experts, authors, and lawyers, Dennis Kennedy and Tom Mile. Welcome to the Kennedy Mile Report here on the Legal Talk Network. And welcome to episode 60 of the Kennedy Mile Report. I'm Dennis Kennedy in St. Louis. And I'm Tom Mile in Dallas. Tom, in the last podcast, we looked at this somewhat radical idea that lawyers might use social media for something other than marketing. In this episode, we dive into the wild excitement surrounding the latest and next big things that seems to have knocked the last big thing, which I think was Apple's iCloud, out of the tech conversation in just a few weeks. Tom, do you want to tell them what we'll be talking about in this episode? Absolutely, Dennis. In this edition of the Kennedy Mall Report, we'll add our part to the mountain of discussion and commentary around the launch of Google's new social media tool, Google+. In our second segment, we'll answer a listener question about iPad apps. And as usual, we'll end with our parting shots, that one tip, website, or observation that you can begin to use the second this podcast is over. But on to our first segment, and that's Google+. Ever since I mentioned Google+, two weeks ago, as my parting shot, the interwebs have literally been crazy with people talking about Google's new service. For those who want invitations, to those who are trying to figure out what Google's really trying to do here. Last night, uh, Dennis, you and I, we had an instant messaging conversation about this, and it was clear that we both have, I think, different approaches and understandings of how Google+, works. So, Dennis, how about you go first and explain Google+, uh, to our listeners from your perspective. You know, Tom, I do have to admit that your, your, the mention of Google Plus as your parting shot really did set off a firestorm. I've never seen anything like it. But uh, <laughs> you're, you're right about that. You know, uh, so Google Plus, I was trying to figure out a way to describe it. And I, th- and I think it is, as with the, uh, you know, all Google things, it's an advertising-based uh, system. But I think it's a social media platform where contacts, your sort of contacts and followers are organized by groups known as circles. And that's sort of the essence of it. And then that's surrounded uh, with a variety of, of other tools. Some are more finished and more polished than others. But you get uh, – there are Facebook-like features. So there's uh, – and Twitter features. So you get streams. You get the ability to comment. You can chat. You can do uh, ad hoc video conferencing. A, a number of things all out of uh, one – platform that's a, a social media space. And it's not exactly like Twitter. It's not exactly like Facebook. Um, but it's Google's approach to things. And it, I think it's meant um, to pull people further into the Google ecosystem. And I don't know whether it pulls people out of the Facebook ecosystem or the Twitter ecosystem, but it becomes a a new alternative that, especially in the tech world, has gotten a lot of attention lately. And, and, you know, Tom, as, as you and I we're talking about last night. We kind of, everybody kind of sees Google Plus in a little bit different way. So that's how I would describe. It. But I think the the real key to it is that organization of your contacts slash followers in, into into groups known as circles. I agree. I agree. And and before we talk about whether or not. Uh Google's going to draw people away from Facebook or what the future of any of these other services are following the debut of Google+. Plus. We can save that for later in this conversation. But to kind of talk a little bit more about the features, to me what sets 
Google Plus apart from and frankly puts it ahead of something like Facebook is the circle feature because my frustration with Facebook was I was unable to, I, I and I, I think I've mentioned it on this podcast before, I was unable to have separate, I didn't want to have two two or three or four separate Facebook accounts depending on the audience I wanted to talk to. And so I made a conscious decision that Facebook would only be for people that I knew, people that I had met that I would then call my friends. So if it was people who just wanted to network and, and to share things, I did not accept them into my Facebook universe. Uh, Google Plus solves that problem with the circles because you can create circles to address and talk to those people that on the, on the level that you want to talk to them. And so I've set up um, circles for my legal technology friends. I've set up circles for my law practice management friends. I've got an e-discovery circle for my e-discovery friends. I have, uh, I have if, if I don't know you and you set, set, uh, send me a, a share with me, I'll probably put you if, in, in either my lawyers or, or another folder if, I, if you're not a lawyer so that I will at least be able to track um, who those particular people are, then when I want to share something, I can then share things with a specific uh, group of people, or I can share it with anybody, every anybody and everybody that I happen to be, uh, that happen to be in my circles. Uh, I, I think that that's, to me, one of the great strengths of Google Plus is the ability to have that granular level of control over who who is following you and who's watching what you have to say and who you want to share things with. Um, the other thing I want to say that I think is really going to be the, the interesting part of uh, Google Plus is the Hangout feature. And, and you mentioned it. It's the ability to have a video chat, and it's, it's fantastic. You just click Start a Hangout, and you invite whoever you want to to the Hangout. And uh, you can have, I believe, I haven't gotten up to nine people yet in a Hangout, but I believe that you can have as many as nine people in a video chat talking at once. And I think that the idea is to just set it up. I think that... that uh, Vic Gundotra at uh, Google said this is something that you, you you set up at 10 o'clock at night with a glass of wine and just hit, hit Hangout and, and all your friends will join and you'll just have a, a, a nice conversation. I see that as a little more than that. I see it as having business uh, uh, functionality and I see it as having a lot of other uh, purposes. I've set up actually a circle of people because the, the people that are in my circles I may not want to have a Hangout with just on a regular basis so I actually set up my own circle for Hangout friends and and when I've tried to have a hangout in the past, I just send that invitation out to the hangout friends, and uh, and they and they've joined. A couple of them have joined, so that's a nice a nice feature. Um, Dennis, what do you what do you think? You, you you talked about the fact that uh, that it's not quite Facebook, it's not quite Twitter. I agree with you there. So, what problem is Google Plus trying to solve here? Um, the short answer for me is I don't really know what problem they're trying to solve other than that they're trying to create their own social media platform to, you know, serve as another engine, you know, to their advertising platform. And so, and I think that the information that we give as being part of this platform in theory allows them to give us better search results and better tailored advertising to us. So I'm not... I'm not really sure what's what the problem that's being addressed um, 
exactly is other than that they, like Microsoft and others, need feel the need to be in the space. And they've had some pretty visible failures with, with Buzz, Google Buzz, and Google Wave. So I, I think they feel some pressure to get in. I had a really interesting conversation with the, one of the young interns at, at work who – who said in an in a polite way, uh, sort of, I don't understand why you older people are using Twitter and all these other tools because everything that you think you can do in there, you can do in Facebook, and we're just used to using Facebook for all of those things. And so I, I sometimes think that a lot of the things that we – that people are raving about in Google Plus are things that you can do in Facebook with with groups and some of the other features. You know, so there's, you know, uh, Facebook also recently added Skype, so you can do the video the video conferencing as well. And then also for a lot of people, um, the contacts that you have uh, and, and that you're likely to use are already in Facebook. So my example is um, I'm about to to head back for my high school reunion. Well, there's 60 people, which is almost half my high school class, in a private Facebook group uh, for for that reunion. I don't know that I get any of them into Google+. Plus. I agree. Um, and you know so so i don't know how that really works so i don't know what problem um you know that that google plus will solve for that and then i for some of the things i think i can accomplish you know communicating to certain people through twitter and through through my blog and other things and so for me google plus right now really feels like this extra silo um that's going to take some extra attention and extra learning um and it to me, it just feels really clunky. It just doesn't work very well for me. I have trouble finding things. Things don't work in ways way that I expect. So I'm not sure what problem it does solve. I mean, I know the problems that I wish it solved, and we can talk about that in a little bit. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree. I, I think that um, I, I, I think Google needed to be in this space. I, I don't think that any of their previous efforts have really been social in as, 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 like they needed to be. I think that Google Wave was social, but it was a collaborative tool. I, I, I think that Google Wave and Google Plus are completely different uh, uh, tools. The, the, uh, Google Plus has some of the features of Google Wave, but I think that, uh, that, uh, that, that Google Wave, I think, was a much different tool with much different uses. Google Buzz, I think, certainly was also also the same thing to me Google Buzz was a little bit just like uh, like Twitter it was just a place to post information and there was not as much uh, of the sharing or circles or, or that ability that you have and I think that neither of them really succeeded in terms of social and, and that's why I think that Google needed to be here but I, I do agree with you I think that it's going to be difficult to get people into uh, Google Plus but I think back again to think about Facebook adoption and how long it took to get all of your 60 members of your class into Facebook uh, since it came up. Uh, I, I, I want to give Google Plus some time to see whether or not it has uh, whether or not it has legs and whether it can survive and 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 become a viable social tool. Uh, I, I guess my response to the um, to the uh, folk, the guy that you work with at at your office, that you can do everything in Facebook. I guess I would dispute that to the to the extent that you cannot. You cannot share with people on the granular level that you can in Google+. You have to share with just about anybody, or you have to kind of do these weird contortion moves to actually set something up in Facebook that allows you to share on a more granular level. And I think that's one 
a huge plus pardon the pun, that Google has over uh, Facebook in this area. And, and frankly, it may be that um, sharing everything with everybody is not going to be a big deal in the future. And the younger generations are already recognizing that this level of sharing is the way of the future. I don't want to share um, movies that I go to and, and things that I do personally with my professional network. I just don't want to do that. And that's why I like the the idea of Google Plus. Now, I'm, I, I am concerned that we don't get everybody over from Facebook, and I don't think that that's, I don't think that that's going to happen. I mean, the the, the number this week was uh, 750 million. I think that they announced that Facebook currently has, and I think it's gonna. Even though uh, the 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 rumor is is that as of this week, Google Plus has over 10 million people just in the week and a half to two weeks that it's been open. That's pretty amazing. But I also think that people are agreeing that most of the folks who are on Google Plus right now are the early adopters, are the tech people. They like it for the features that it has. I think that the really interesting time to come is going to, to be in the next six to nine months to see whether it takes off, whether it just stagnates, uh, and what role Google Plus has kind of in this social media universe. Dennis, is, is it making you, I know you think this is another silo, is it making you rethink your social media portfolio is it uh, is is it what do you what are your thoughts and and what advice do you have for our listeners on what to do with it? Yeah, I mean it it does. I, I think one of the interesting pieces of it is this rethinking your social media portfolio. And one of the attractive things about Google Plus when you you sent me the invitation was that. Well, I have a chance to start, from, you know, at the very beginning and I can maybe, you know, the circles initially were interesting to me is here's a way I can kind of figure out who should be in this network and I can use this in a smarter way and kind of organize things. Well, then what happened is that, um, you know, I, and I'm not obviously the most popular uh you know, person for people to add to, but I get, you know, people adding me all the time, you know, quite a few a, a day. And then I have to deal with them because they're people I know and I feel like I need to respond to them. And already I sort of feel that, you know, the chance to organize from the beginning has kind of gone by because I've had to respond to some people. And then to me, the circle system and any folder system for me always breaks down because I can't get people into the right folders and even multiple folders. And at, cert at a certain point, volume overruns that and the folder system becomes, you know, really useless to me. And, and I, I fear that. Um, so I do have some concerns, but I I think it also gives you the opportunity, as you say, Tom, you have some really good ideas of how you could use Google Plus to communicate to these different groups. And you're a lot more comfortable with the sort of different folders, different grouping than I am. For me, they've just always broken down. Um, so, so I see some benefit, but it, it does make you say, okay, so where does my blog fit now? Um, cause there's some, some people, uh, some tech bloggers who've, who've converted their blog and pointed the URL to Google Plus already, which just seems insane to me. But people are thinking of that and go, okay, so what am I doing in Twitter now? What's that audience? What am I using Facebook for? Um, you know, what's LinkedIn? And I think like social, all social media, there's one of them that's going to, one or two of them that's going to fit you really well and you're going to feel great about it and you're going to use it and you're going to be there. For me, Google Plus 
it's definitely one extra thing. I'm, I'm, I don't live in it. I don't see that I'm going to live in it because, as I alluded to before, I don't think it answers for me the the real problems I wish it solved, which are uh, some kind of dashboard that says I wish I had one place where I could see everything that was coming in from you know every social media source that I had um, and be able to look at it and deal with it. And I wish I had a dashboard, could be the same one or something different, where on the production side, where if I wanted to post something, I could choose and check which places it went to. Um, and that would be really helpful to me. And, and Google Plus doesn't do that yet. And I just find I'm just really astonished by the usability issues. I mean, I, I told you last night how I was taking days and I can't really get my wife into the system because I was really excited about having this family circle where I could put my family in. And my wife is a Gmail user and I, I just can't even get her, you know, successfully. So she's in that circle so we can communicate. And it's been days of that. And then the, the issues I've had of finding things and simple search are just amazing to me given that it that it's Google and I love the you know the promise of hangouts I'm I think that's great um, and I thought the sparks thing was a really cool had a lot of potential but that's just been a, an utter failure for me so I, I I just my experience overall has been really negative and I hear all this hype and excitement and I just I feel like I'm missing the boat Tom well I don't know that you're missing the boat I think that um I think part of it may be understanding how Google rolls things out. I mean, they've never rolled out a tool that was fully formed at the beginning. They've put the, they've slapped the beta label on just about everything that they've ever sent out, and this is no exception. Now, I think that there are many pieces of this that um, are unfinished. We keep hearing the, the, the tech gurus say, oh, don't worry, Google will get around to doing this. And I think that my answer to that is, I hope they do, because it won't be successful. I think that all the, the points that you raise are valid points. All the weaknesses um, are valid. There are still a lot of things that need to get done. But I'm sort of viewing this as if you look at the the 10 million or so adopters right now being the the early adopters and the tech geeks, those are the folks who are getting in who can really put everything through its paces and hopefully help Google understand how to make it better. And, and hopefully that's their strategy uh, and that's something that they're going to be working on. I hope that's the case. Uh uh, as as far as the circles go, I think that the, what what really makes the circles work for me is that you don't have to put, you don't have to to try and think about putting one person into one circle. The, you know, I have you are Dennis, both my friend and a law technology person, so I can put you into both circles, and Google Plus doesn't have a problem with that, and that's why I like that ability to be able to, uh, to to figure that out. Now, once once you're in there, I may not pay attention to where you are anymore. Um, I'm, I know I just want to send things to my friends or to my legal tech colleagues and, and hope that you get there, but I don't really view the sort of organization any different from, say, Twitter, when I have a whole list of people who say they're now following me on Twitter, and I have to make a decision about whether I want to follow them back or not, and so I'm I'm making the same sorts of decisions with Google Plus and and frankly that takes, you know, a couple of minutes a day to look at the people who are following me and so I don't really view that as 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 a huge time waste and and for for me anyway. Now 
As for really quick to talk about where the blog fits, I don't think the blog fits at all on Google+, and I think that you're absolutely right. I read a great blog post from Chris Brogan the other day that said that Google+, should not be your blog. Uh, Chris Brogan, who's the author of Trust Agents, has has some great posts on how your blog really needs to be what what we call your home base. It needs to be the place where you... um, the place where you uh, are uh, I, I always tell people, here's what I do, here here is my content, here's all my stuff, and then sites like Google Plus and Google uh, Google Plus and Facebook and Twitter wind up being what he calls your outposts. They're places that you post to and say, I just posted this at my blog, or here's an interesting story that I'm covering down at my website, uh, and you direct people back with Google Plus. I, I think that it's going to serve the same purpose as Twitter or Facebook. Facebook. Whether you want to have a presence in all three places, I don't know. I, I, I'm not sure that I want to. One of the main weaknesses that Google Plus has for me right now is that right now I'm unable to share among the, the services that I usually share with. Twitter, Facebook, Google Plus, sometimes LinkedIn. I like to have the ability to share with all of those places either at the same time all at once or have some tools that are able to do it. And right now, the functionality just isn't quite there yet. So, so I'm cautiously optimistic about Google+, but I can certainly see where if Google doesn't fix some of these things or uh, uh, find ways to, to, to get that adoption con- to continue with not just the early adopters, but with the mainstream folks, um, then it, it, it might wind up like Google Buzz or Google Wave did. Dennis, how about you take us out of this segment with some final thoughts? Yeah, it's kind of funny because I I have to say I was I feel like I was much more excited about Google Wave at the opening point than I am about Google Plus, and we saw where where Google Wave went. Um, I sort of think that the real value in this, and and it just feels like we have so much more to discuss than we have time here. But I, I think that the Google Plus has really started this conversation and to get you thinking about social media and about friendships and the connections you have with people, professional relations, all those things. And that's probably a good thing. I sometimes think, though, that when I look at Google+, Plus, I I was about to commit, and I still think I am, to heavily getting into Facebook and understanding it and using it. And I'm not sure that Google+, Plus is offering me anything that I wasn't already planning to be able to do in in Facebook. I mean, you know, with with some some subtleties. Um, but I so right now I'm a little bit unimpressed. There's some potential there. I think the Hangouts thing totally awesome. Um, you know, potential there. The Sparks thing I thought was going to be great. We'll see where, where where that goes. But right now it just feels like one extra silo that's nagging at me because there are people I know who are adding me and I feel I need to respond to that even though I haven't quite decided what I'm going to do in there. So it's one more silo. The usability issues uh, are almost shocking to me. And the fact that it's so hard to, to search for things and find things in there it is, is also really surprising. So um, color me unimpressed at, at the moment, but uh, it's Google. It's got a lot of attention. It's something we're going to keep our eye on, whether it's the next Facebook or the next wave uh, that remains to be seen. Time will tell. Before we move on to our next segment, let's take a quick break with a few words from the Legal Talk Network and Clio, online practice management for attorneys at goclio.com. Hi, my name is Kay Kenny from Legal Talk Network, and I'm joined by Jack Newton, president of Clio. Jack takes a look at the process of moving to the cloud. Now, how long does it take to move to the cloud, and is it a difficult process? 
No, I, with most cloud computing providers, moving uh, your data into the cloud is something that takes just minutes, not hours or days to do. You can get signed up and running with most services in just a few minutes. And uh, even if you have an existing, uh, a legacy set of data that you want to migrate to a, a web-based practice management system like Clio, there's migration tools and migration services that we're able to offer to ease that process. So most firms can be up and running to the cloud in less than in the cloud in less than five minutes and can have their data imported uh, in a matter of hours or days. We've been talking to Jack Newton, president of Clio. Thank you so much, Jack. Thank you. And if you'd like to get more information on Clio, feel free to visit www.goclio.com. That's G-O-C-L-I-O.com. If you like listening to the Kennedy Mile Report, you might also like the podcast, Law Technology Now on LegalTalkNetwork.com. And welcome back to the Kennedy Mile Report. I'm Tom Mile. And I'm Dennis Kennedy. We always encourage your questions, and we have one today. A listener noticed that Tom will be giving a webinar on iPad apps in a few weeks and wondered if we might give an update on some of the apps that we actually use. Tom, I really like this question because I think it recognizes that choosing and using apps is a process that evolves and sort of apps flow in and out and we try, as we try them and discover whether they u- we use them or not. And that's one of the cool things about apps is they're either free or low priced and you feel like you can try and if it doesn't work, you just try another one. So so the homework assignment for the segment was to try to note what apps we actually seem to be using most these days. So, Tom, what's what are you using these days? Well, before we do that, let, let me give a quick uh, shout out to the webinar that I'll be moderating in a couple of weeks. Uh, the ABA Law Practice Management section will be giving uh, a, a repeat of its very popular tech show session, 60 iPad and iPhone Apps in 60 Minutes, uh, with Reed Trouts, Jeff Richardson, and Josh Barrett, uh, those speakers, and I'll be moderating it. So it will be a very fast-paced uh, session on the best tips uh, and, and apps for both the iPhone and the iPad. It's July 27th, two weeks uh, from today. We're recording today on the, uh, so it's ju- uh, July 27th uh, at, uh, well, it's not two weeks from today. I guess it's two weeks from yesterday. July 27th, uh, go to either Ali Abba or go to the ABA Law Practice Management section for more information. Um, the, the apps that I find that I'm using most these days are, some of them are apps that I've mentioned before. Uh, Goodreader is one of them. I continue to use Goodreader as my file reader of choice. When I go to meetings, when I need to look at documents and I don't have my laptop or my computer, I go to Dropbox or I go to my email and I open those documents up in Goodreader. I can put them in folders. I can uh, zip a whole bunch of uh, documents together into a folder and send them to other people. I can email records. I can annotate things from Goodreader. It is uh, far and away the best file reading program that you will find for the iPad, and I think it's only $4.99, so it is a bargain at that price. Uh, recently, I've begun to use my iPad for giving presentations, and so I've started to use Keynote for those presentations. It's the the native Apple presentation app, and uh, I, it 
takes I, I work in PowerPoint and Keynote will convert PowerPoints to Keynote, but you need to kind of play with it a little bit because it doesn't have exactly the same functionality. But what I really like is that you can also download on your iPhone the Keynote remote, which uh, will allow you to, which will basically turn your iPhone into a remote for your iPad and you can actually move your slides forward from your iPad uh, automatically as long as both your iPad and your iPhone are connected either by Wi-Fi or by Bluetooth. It's it's a fantastic little app, and uh, you can also see the next slide coming up as well as your notes slide if you want to uh, keep track of what your notes are. You can read those on your iPhone. Two new apps that I think are really interesting. I haven't tried them that much, but I want to talk about them. Uh, one of them is called Meeting Manager, although it's spelled uh, meeting and then M-N-G-R. The other app is called Idea Flight. These are meeting apps, and they allow you, if you have multiple people at a meeting, or you may be at a meeting in person or a meeting on the phone, if you all have iPads, you are able to control, one person is able to control and run a meeting from an iPad. So you can show presentations, you can go through documents, you can move through the different agenda items for a meeting with everyone's iPad, and, and there's one pilot to do it. Not cheap for the meeting manager. Everybody needs to have the uh, the app, and that app costs about six bucks per person. Uh, not expensive, but uh, it's it's not free for anybody. The IdeaFlight app costs $7.99 for the pilot, the person who's going to be leading the meeting, and then it's free for all the attendees. And then I'm going to give one more shout out for um, Mr. Reader and Instapaper. Those are my two apps of choice for reading Google Reader posts and then reading the articles that I find in Google Reader and reading them later. So sorry for that long and drawn out description. Dennis, how about you? What apps are you using? You know, a couple I realized a couple of things. One is that that I don't know how many six month or so head start you've had using the iPad and the fact that you've written a book on the iPad have really kind of given you a lot more insight to this than I have. And so I'm still feel like I'm at an almost a, a newbie stage. So but I wonder and and also realize there are some differences between the iPhone apps and the the iPad apps. So my favorite app these days is an app called Endomoto, which is a is an iPhone app. It uses GPS and I use it when I ride my bike and it maps and times and you know ca- does all these calculations about my actual ride. It's, it's so that's a pretty cool thing, but obviously I'm not going to carry an iPad while I'm riding my bike. So what I what I really so I step back and look to say what do I use and I use pretty bad thing so and it's sort of very functional so I use the Facebook app um, the iBook app and I'm experimenting with mr. reader as as uh, as we've talked about um, as a way to to read my RSS feeds and and then I'm really investing some time in looking into outliners task managers and things of that type and uh, to to say how can I kind of take advantage of the iPad to give me an insight into the tasks I need to do to keep information together. Evernote and that family of products falls in that list, but I'm sort of looking to one thing, and I'm really considering. Uh, sort of surprising for me is that whole OmniFocus, Omni Outliner family of of apps, which is probably some of the more expensive apps, and so. And, you know, potentially those those are in my future, but I'm evaluating apps in in those categories. 
Those are definitely good apps. Um, Because we're running a little bit late, let's uh, move on to our next segment. But before we do that, a word from Firm Manager from LexisNexis, a leading provider of information and business solutions. Try it out free at myfirmmanager.com slash LTN. Thanks for tuning into our program today. We want to let you know about something extraordinary happening in the legal industry. Right now, hundreds of independent attorneys just like yourself are working to bring a very special product to market. These attorneys are part of a development program at LexisNexis, and they are working under NDA on a brand new application that will change the way you run your practice. This solution, LexisNexis Firm Manager, is a web-based, highly secure application operating in SAS 70 Type 2 attested data centers. If you are interested in test driving LexisNexis Firm Manager at no charge, or to learn more, visit www.myfirmmanager.com slash LTN. Need to reach lawyers on the go? Try marketing with new media here on Legal Talk Network. We can start the conversation for you. Go to LegalTalkNetwork.com and shoot us an email or call us at 781 781- Five five one nine nine six zero. Now it's time for our parting shots. That one tip, website, or observation that you can use the second this podcast ends. Tom, take it away. Uh, my parting shot this week is a t- new tool called Secret Sync. I have uh, sort of been heartbroken the past couple of weeks seeing the problems that Dropbox, one of my favorite tools, has been having with uh, both privacy and encryption issues. And I'm glad to see that that they're getting closer to getting their privacy issues fixed, but they still uh, have issues with encryption. The fact that that it, once you upload things to uh, to Dropbox, the the folks at Dropbox have access to all of that. It's not encrypted on their side and so that they're they're able to get to that information uh, and and so I've been looking at for tools that can can solve that problem without you having to unencrypt things uh, that are up there truecrypt is a tool that you can use to to encrypt uh, information while it's in Dropbox but then you have to go through a lot of jump through a lot of hoops to fix to, to get it unencrypted if you want to work on it I found a new tool called secret sync secret sync is a uh, new software uh, that you download to to all the computers where you have your Dropbox, and it creates a secret encrypted, what they call tunnel, into Dropbox. So the, the way it works is this. You install it on your computer that has Dropbox. You put the confidential or sensitive documents into your secret sync folder, and what it does is it uploads an encrypted version of that file into your Dropbox folder. So you cannot access it from your Dropbox folder on your computer, and you can't access it from the web-based version of Dropbox, but it is synchronized to all the computers you have with Dropbox to a secret sync folder where you can then access that unencrypted version on your laptop. So I think this is a great way to uh, to get around the issues of uh, Dropbox encryption problems up on the on the server side and and to have real good client side encryption uh, for your sensitive documents. Dennis, how about you? 
This is a real simple one. Um, my my admin asked me yesterday afternoon, "Hey Dennis, what what do I do again? Where I get out to the desktop with one keystroke and um, and it reminded me because I also have written in a column for ABA Journal, which I think will be out probably in a month or so on on uh, just keyboard shortcuts. But in Windows, there you have this the Windows key, um, which some down at the bottom it has a little Windows symbol, and a lot of people don't know what that is." Is, but there's an, a, a, some really useful shortcuts that happen off of that key. And so a lot of times you're going to have a whole bunch of things open, especially if you have multiple monitors. You're going to have a whole bunch of stuff open on your computer. If you hit that Windows and a D, you go right to the desktop. And so it also makes you feel like you've just automatically minimized everything that you had open. So it's one of those simple things, truly useful. Um, and um, just one of those things, if you don't know about it, uh, it's it's worth knowing about. And if you haven't thought about it in a while, sometimes it just comes in really handy when you have a zillion windows open. Nope. Always good to keep those things in mind. So that wraps it up for this edition of the Kennedy Mall Report. Thanks for joining us on the podcast. If you like what you hear, please subscribe to our podcast at the Legal Talk Network site or in iTunes. And if you have questions or suggestions for upcoming episode topics, please email us at tkmreport at gmail.com. So until the next podcast, I'm Tom Mile. And I'm Dennis Kennedy. And you've been listening to the Kennedy Mile Report on the Legal Talk Network, the premier online legal media network. Add this podcast to your circle of subscriptions in iTunes. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by, Legal Talk Network, its officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, and subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer. Thanks for listening to the Kennedy Mile Report. Check out Dennis and Tom's book, The Lawyer's Guide to Collaboration Tools and Technologies, Smart Ways to Work Together, from ABA Books or Amazon. And join us every other week for another edition of the Kennedy Mile Report, only on the Legal Talk Network.